G'day guys and welcome to the Bradley J Driver Experience. As always, it's your host here, Brad. Excited for today's episode. A little bit of a backstory to it and why I got this guy on the show. Um, but basically, you may know him as the golden boy. He's an upcoming MMA prospect out of the Illawarra region, which makes me proud. He is Alex Volkanovsky's training partner, but very excited for the career that this guy has ahead because I've watched him fight in the flesh and he's a tough motherfucker. Colby Thickness, how are you, brother? <laughs> I'm doing very well, my friend. Very well. Good to hear. Mate, I, I sort of said I would, I would share the backstory as to why I had you on. And yeah. it was a couple months ago now. I think it was mid-last. I guarantee you remember it better than I do. Pro- mate, probably. <laughs> For good <laughs> yeah. reason, too. Guarantee you know, yeah. <laughs> I was sitting in the, um, in the crowd at Wollongong Wars, which is a local MMA promotion. Might I add, when I say local MMA promotion, a really, really good card. Um, it was that day. Mate. The likes of, you know, Brad Riddell on that yeah. main fight who's gone on to secure a UFC contract and have some great wins. Um, we had some guys over from Tiger Muay Thai from yeah. all around the world and from all around Australia, someone from Rob Whitaker's camp. And I, I was highly impressed with the caliber of fighters. It was and, Oh, mate, it was great. And, and I was privileged to call some of the charity auctions that night. So I got a good seat at the front. And I remember hearing your name be called out. And you're fighting a guy from from Melbourne. Melbourne, yeah, Melbourne, yeah. Sam. Yeah, if I can recall, and you know, opening seconds of the fucking fight, he kicks yeah. you straight in the head, and I'm thinking, fucking hell, there's no way anyone gets up from that. And if you've ever, yeah. if you've ever been kicked in the head, I've been lucky not to be, um, but it would fucking knock you about, especially the the power that come from this kick. And I watch you drop, but within a matter of a fucking split second, just pounce back. And then Latch dominate on. the re- the rest of the fight. Three rounds of just pure domination. And I remember thinking, fuck, all these guys are tough, but this fuck is really tough. <laughs> so, That's why Thank you here. very much. Well, it's good to be tough, but you don't want to have to sort of prove it. I much rather went through that fight dominating without getting a head kick, concussion, 100%. stitches. You know, you know what the thing is for me, man, like I'm a bit of a fight fan and, you know, I've never stepped in the ring, so I don't know what it's like being inside the ring or the octagon. But for me personally, I think I watch great fighters and I love watching their, their art form or their skill. And I'm not one of those guys that goes, oh, fuck, they've taken it to the ground. Or, you know, I yeah. quite enjoy mixed martial arts as a whole. Mm-hmm. So I, don't, I, I like that, that ground game and that aspect too. But I think if I look at all my favourite fighters, there's always that one moment where they get tested. Yeah, and if they come out the other side, it's almost like that, that show of resilience. And I think it's really important as a fighter to be able to show that you have that side too, that you can take the damage and move yeah. forward. And it's probably a question that, you know, probably the most controversial fighter and one of the biggest names in the game, Conor McGregor, everyone for a long time said, can this guy take the big shots and move forward? And he got tested a couple of times and it, it sort of changed the way that he fought. So to see Definitely. someone like yourself be able to take a shot but then go back to the game plan straight away, massive credit to you. Cheers, man. Yeah, well, it was Backstreet Boys wasn't probably the best song to walk out to. The crowd <laughs> loved it and it was sort of... It yeah. got the crowd going. So that was. Was of, yeah, there was a bit of hype behind it and then probably 10 seconds in exactly right, I just copped a head kick. And from that point on, I remember I came to when he was on my back trying to choke me. And I was like, fuck, I have no idea what got me here, but just sort of fight. We got up onto the feet. And then from there, it was pretty much a domination for the rest of the fight. Just played my game, took him down, controlled him on the ground. Didn't let him get his sort of, he's a really good striker. So I didn't let him get him his striking range. So I just sort of applied that pressure, got him to the cage and just, yeah, grinded out the decision when I was seeing three of him in front of me. I remember yeah. I was asking my coaches, I was like, what do I, I can't really, and they're like, just go for the middle one. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so I just tried to keep the middle one of him in my sights and then... A 33% yeah. chance, right? Exactly right. That's Worked unreal. out well. That's unreal. And I guess for, for me, obviously, you know, I think probably majority of people that listen to this at the moment are from the Wollongong area. And it's an exciting time for Wollongong in mixed martial arts and combat sports, you know, obviously Alex winning his, his belt last year. And it's really, for me, it's exciting to see you alongside him as one of his main training partners while he's here in Australia, because that, I guess that um, path looking forward has been tested now. 
and it's nice that you can sort of see maybe a way that you can get yourself into that main stage because I think from what I hear, you know, it was only the other it was Saturday night. I was sitting here um, with my brother-in-law, Cal, who actually trains, does a bit of wrestling with you guys over there at Freestyle. You I know, Cal, he's a big fucker, yep. six foot five. Yeah, you can't yep. miss him. <laughs> Good wrestling, so, yeah, yeah. So he's um, we were having a chat about you, and he was there that fight night too. Hmm. And he was sort of saying that you you'd been, you know, aside from what all the press said, that you were that guy that really trained alongside Alex. And obviously you've got a massive wrestling background. You're very skilled and you teach a lot of the classes. What interests me is that it's actually not a common path, is it, for young guys in Australia to wrestle? I know it's common in America, in the States, but here it's pretty much unheard of. So how did you get into that? Well, because I started playing football, like the usual sort of thing. But I'm a twin. And me and my twin, we always used to fight at home. Yeah, okay. and our dad used to do um, wrestling back at like the PCYC when he was yeah. younger. So he's like, instead of you fighting here, you can go down and sort of take your aggression out in a controlled way. That's unreal. Then, yeah, so I think we started that when we were six. So playing footy twice, like training twice a week for wrestling and footy. And I ended up doing wrestling for about seven years till I was 13. And during that time, I won state titles, national titles. So I sort of got... It was kids' sort of achievements, but they're still good achievements, and it really set my sort of Definitely. foundation for training. Like from that, such a young age, always I'm like got to work hard and just do everything right, and that sort of thing. So I had that in my head, and then the only problem I was with footy, I think I was 13, weighing about 45 kilos, sopping wet, getting <laughs> ran over by these big like 80 kilo kids down from Nara with no chance. So I'm like, f footy, I'm just gonna start wrestling my own guys. Then just yeah. sort of, I sort of um, guess I could say I got over wrestling. I still love the sport now, but just for in Australia, it's such like you said, it's such a small sport in that. And I was like, I'm not sure I can sort of pursue this as far as I want to go with the sport. So yeah. that's when I was 13, I made the transition over to freestyle fighting gym under Joe Lopez. And then from there, I think I um, started there. I finished my last wrestling class on a Thursday. I started there on the Monday. I've been training when I was in high school for after school every day. Oh, yeah, wow. Saturdays, so six times a week. And then um, I'm 20 now and I finished school when I was 18. And then I started training two days since then and working nights to sort of support the dream. And now it's just, so I've been training pretty much full time for almost coming to up to three years now, just morning, nights and just, teaching as well doing a few pts and that trying to sort of get that basic income to support me whilst i can just sort of purely focus on training improving and trying to get as far as i'm able to go within the sport that's great to hear man and i I had a little bit of an insight because cal shared with me an article um on sure dogs forum the other day that that was written about you um as as an upcoming prospect and man i got a lot of respect for you because it's you know to, to train as much as you do, but at the same time, then go and work nights and, and you work security, yeah. which, you know, you've got to be awake <laughs> early hours in the morning, yeah. um, which, which would be hard, man. You're not going to wake up feeling fresh for training the next day, but you've got to do it. And like you said, you've got to support yourself sometimes. So I've got a lot of respect for you in that, in that aspect. But tell me about coming from that full wrestling background. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, playing wrestling and playing footy, you know, anyone who knows rugby league, you mean? Yeah, yeah, right. Like it's, yeah. it's it's a tough sport. Like you know what I mean. Yeah, so is wrestling. You you get used to taking a hit and taking a knock. So coming in and then learning the striking elements. Did it take long for you to pick up that aspect oh, of the game? Definitely. That was the um, hardest part for me. Honestly, was the striking because with my wrestling foundation, I started originally with Brazilian Jiu Jitsu at the gym. Yep. Because I was doing a few boxing classes here and there, but sort of like it's a brand new sport. So I went from being sort of really good at wrestling to absolutely sucking at boxing and i was like it's a good challenge but then i jumped to a jiu-jitsu class and i held my own i was like man i'm decent at this and obviously what you're good at you normally tend to stick to a bit more so i was pretty heavy on jiu-jitsu for about because you can't compete until you're 18 for mma in new south wales and that so i ended up thinking well i might as well i still wanted to compete so i just sort of pursued that brazilian jiu-jitsu route so then I ended up going down to Melbourne to compete twice at the Pampax, which is the biggest um, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu competition in like the Southern Hemisphere. Yeah, wow. For points. And I ended up winning that twice, actually, which was a good achievement. And then 
I was still doing the striking two, three times a week. But when I was around 17 and I'm like, I'm going to transition to MMA, I'm like, now I'm going to have to really sort of flip it on the head, do grappling once, twice a week and just completely smash out my um, striking technique. And I've actually, it's the opposite now. I fell in love with my striking now. I just, it's good fun, it isn't it? Just, oh, I love it. I just want to stand and bang with everyone. I just want to yeah. fight. You know, <laughs> you know what the beauty is, but man, because you've got such a strong wrestling background, you don't, like, I've, I've watched some of the, I guess the best fighters in the UFC or the other, the other competitions, they can stand and bang it out and strike without the fear of being taken down. And that's, yeah. you know what I mean, that's such a good skill set to fall back on because most fights do at some point end up on the ground. But to be mm-hmm. able to go in and trade and not be scared that if that opening comes or if you get taken down, you can actually handle yourself. I think it's a massive skill set. Like, it's, I think it's so underrated how many of the champions in the UFC are uh, foundation wrestlers. Yeah, it's definitely because a perfect example I say to people is Conor McGregor and Khabib. It's like Khabib dropped Connor with the right hand because he was so worried about the takedown and getting put on his back and that. Definitely. If you put him in a boxing match, Connor's going to school Khabib every single round. But it's that fear of getting taken down. So if you can know, like, with your own training that I have a good base, like, if someone gets me down, I know I can get back up. Or if things get rough on their feet, like at wars, I'm like, I know I can take the fight. So it's a really good foundation. It's sort of transitions everything together really well which is what yeah. i think is the most important sort of skill to have as a mixed martial artist is a good strong foundational wrestling background so when you picked up striking was it boxing the start or was there a mix of kickboxing muay thai like is there a particular um it was boxing i think because the gym's timetable was changed a lot but it was originally just boxing sometimes but then we went to kickboxing yeah and obviously, yeah. if you look kickboxing, end of the sp- have you been over to City Kickboxing yet? No, I haven't. That's my next trip, hopefully. Man, that'll be an experience, right, guys? Yeah. Like and Brad Riddell over there who are just... Oh, ridiculous, yeah. Um, but you've been a Tiger, haven't you? Tiger Muay Thai. Yes, Tiger. I have, yeah. How was that experience? That was good. I went there February this year, actually. It was awesome. I only went there for about 10 days. It worked out well because I pre-booked the trip for February and I ended up having that competition tournament in March. So it worked out well. So I got about a good week and a half of training over there. And it was my mm-hmm. first like yeah, first solo international trip. So I got there, did everything myself. And I I tell people now, most people think I'm crazy because I legit woke up I think at six thirty to do the seven thirty, eight o'clock class. I would train, go get a smoothie, shower, train eat, shower, and I think I was training three to four times a day, and I did that for about a week and a half, and Sunday, I went to one beach, then I ended up sleeping pretty much the rest of the day, then the last day I did something nice, but other than that, it was just straight training, and like, everyone's like, oh, you sort of didn't do much, but man, I had the time of my life over there. You would have, they got a skilled, like, bunch of coaches, they got the unreal great wrestlers, so you would have got a lot out of them, but you know, I'm, see, I do a little bit of Muay Thai for fun, right? So yep. I train at NGC in, in North Wollongong there. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I enjoy it. I love it, right? It's a great sport. And I've watched, I got into probably last year when I got into it, sort of searching a few videos, trying to pick up a few things skill-wise. And I started watching some of their tryout videos, which obviously... Oh, Alex, man. Mate. Those they're rough, eh? Ruthless, hey? Yeah. They're bashing the I, shit out of people. Oh, it's crazy. I've got a good story, actually, because I did a um, Friday morning um, Muay Thai class, and I thought it was yeah. um, just like a technique sort of class, but it ended up being a hard sparring day. So <laughs> we did sparring at that, and it was all right, and I ended up going with this bloke, and he ended up taking it pretty hard in that. And I, I didn't mind because I'm like, if you go hard, I'll go hard. So you can sort of yeah. get that off on each other. But then he did it to everyone. Then we ended up finishing with clinching. And he had to clinch one of the instructors and he ends up just trying to pound the instructor. So in this little time, about 10 seconds later, I look over, he's getting belted. He's got like <laughs> four knees. He hunches over, he goes to scuffle off the mat. Then his other trainer runs, flying knees him sort of thing and pushes him back into the trainer. It was like a two on one for like 30 seconds, just belting this bloke for going too hard. But, and I was just with my mate just like, oh shit. Yeah, yeah, it's it was funny crazy. because 
It's such a different culture there. Hey, they just live and breathe it. Yeah. Same thing. I would, you'd walk down like the back and you'd see them hold pads for someone, finish their PTs, go have a smoke. Mate, some of them will even be drinking and that and they'll just go jump back in and start training again. Ridiculous. <laughs> it's different, man. It's so different. Yeah, it's so different. That's a cool experience. And, and you touched on it a little bit there before coming out of that training in Feb and then heading into the comp in March. I read that you competed in a an MMA comp. Is that the one you're talking yeah. about? Yeah, but, so it's the IMMAF, so International Mixed Martial Arts Federation. It's like and you the won biggest, all three fights, didn't you? Yeah. It's the That's biggest awesome. body for um, amateur fighting in the world sort of thing. And so, yeah, they came over to the Gold Coast. And I was like, oh, might as well give it a shot because, as you know, most professionals, you get one fight a night for an yeah. eight to ten week camp. So I was like, if I can do a hard eight to ten week camp and possibly get three fights worth of experience out of it, I'd be crazy not to do it sort of thing. That's you know what man, I, I like what you said there. It's the ability to gain more fights and more experience. Cause a lot of people that scares a lot of people because I guess mm. not being fresh second or third fight, maybe that risks, you know, a loss on your on your record. But yeah. it just looks like you want to gain as much experience as possible to put you in good stead in your, in your pro career. Yeah, exactly. That's what it's all about. Amateurs just trying to um, build that foundation block, I believe. So I'd much rather take a few losses now as an amateur than have to have that learning experience as a pro. Definitely. And and I, yeah. And like, even you look at guys like Lomachenko. Oh, ridiculous. Everyone takes a loss. That, that's life. I think you just get better. I think he went on to school that guy three times post that loss. But yeah, I was reading a little bit about your record and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but the first three fights you took the win. Um, yep. And then I, rem- I remember reading that you maybe blew out a little bit over the Christmas New Year. <laughs> you definitely did. And, and maybe come into that fourth fight, not as prepared or as, or as mentally ready as you would have liked to be. Yeah. But so what happened? It was a great yeah. learning curve. Oh, it was. That's what I was, because that fight was, um, that was at featherweight. And yeah. that was purely because I just packed on the KGs after Christmas and that sort of thing. And yeah. then it was, I think, about 10 days notice, my coach is like, oh, do you want to take a flight, free trip to the Gold Coast and whatnot? I was like, sure, but I don't think I'll make bantamweight in 10 days. And it was like, no, it's got to be at featherweight. And so I was bigger that time, and I was like, oh, sweet. But I went into that fight with the wrong mindset because I won my last two fights before that by um saying just take him to the cage get him down and i secured the naked choke in both yeah. so in my head i was sort of going into that fight like oh sweet i'm just gonna i'm bigger now so i'll be just as strong i'll just do the same game plan sort of thing then i made weight in that without like i say i got big i wasn't i didn't have to cut much weight i just did a bit of water load and i made it with ease sort of thing yeah but i still um I went in there, it was just the wrong mindset. And I ended up grabbing the bloke, who's a lot stronger than me. And I'm like, oh, I'll just get to his back and choke him out and that'll be a end of the night. And then it did not go that way at all. And then that's why I mean. it was such good. It sort of um, opened my eyes to like, you just can't go in with game plan A and expect it to work. You have to have yeah. lots of B all the way to Z sort of thing. And and so obviously coming out of that fight, you've had five fights since and you've won yeah. all five of those. Four so you're fights. on a streak. Yeah. Which yeah. is hard. Which is hard to do in in the MMA world. Like anyone who's on a streak in the MMA world is doing something right. Yeah. Have you feel Have you feel like there's been more focus post that fight, and you're back down to bantamweight now? Yeah. Oh, one hundred percent. That's that's. I'm very. I'm not. Obviously, you'd much rather not have a loss, but I'm so grateful for it. It was such yeah. a good learning curve and experience. Like, make me dial in with my nutrition year round. Sort of holes in my game I didn't see before because I haven't sort of been tested yet. And then it made me, it just all around made me such a better fighter coming out. Well, as you can see now, one might last five since then. So it's obviously triggered something to make it work well for me. Definitely, man. And what what's the pathway look like moving forward? Is there a plan for you to fight again this year or are there a number of fights you're looking at? I was originally hoping to go to because the um, tournament I did, that was the Oceanics, and they have the Europeans, which is the second biggest, and they have the Worlds. And I wanted to do at least one other big one. So the Europeans were in Rome in July, and the Worlds were in Kazakhstan in October, I think. 
the due to the virus, they've just cancelled all the events. Yeah. So I'm not too sure what the pathway is, but I just want to fight. Like, if we can't find any amateurs, I know I'm more than ready to go professional sort of thing. But yeah. if they want to sort of get me a few more amateur fights, I'll just sort of leave it up to the coaches and see what they want me to do and what they think is best for me. Is there anyone you'd love to fight? Like, is there anyone you've come across at, you know, other tournaments or at other fight nights and there's been a little bit, yeah. of, a little bit of beef? There has been one, but I beat him twice, so I kind of beef with him. So it was yeah. my third fight. It was against Chris. And um, it's funny because he came down to um, train and spar once with us. And he, he, I'll be honest, he put it on me sort of thing. But I don't, I don't make excuses or anything. But I actually, I think it was uh, um, Saturday he came. And I ended up going out, good old harp, to like, 2am <laughs> and fever to like 5am and I rocked up to sparring like half blind still and ended up sort of putting it on me and sparring and I was like oh I don't think anything I'd be like yeah whatever but I think it might have went to his head then he and me and him ended up organizing to fight on a super fight show and stuff in Sydney at Punchbowl yeah but then I was like oh cool I like shoot him a message saying thanks for a fight like trying to be a friendly and I realized he blocked me on Instagram when I went to do that and I was like that's sort of fishy I got my brother's phone. I looked at him. And he started posting like talking shit on like oh, him punching yeah. a bag saying like, it was like whatever the fight that was like, don't worry, it'll be over in one. Like don't talk bitch and shit like that. And I was like, fuck man, I thought we were like cool sort of thing. We like trained once before. Like I got no hard feelings. And then we ended up going to the weigh-ins and he missed weight by like a kilo and a half. And I was dying dehydrated on the scales after I, passed out in the sauna which was another weird experience but then we were at the um weigh-ins and he tried to sort of staunch me off the weigh-ins sort of thing like hands up trying to walk over me i'm like i'm always friendly i just like to smile like we're gonna fight anyway i've got no hard feelings sort of things yeah and i ended up choking him out in the first round which was a sort of upset because like i said he's a good fighter but then i just sort of put that in the back of my mind onto the next and then he ended up winning his next fight. Then he called me out again. And he's like, Colby Thickness, I'm coming for you. And legit, like, mic drop and walked out of the cage. And I was like, oh, fuck him. I already beat him. I don't worry. But then um, the promoter's like, um, you, you can fight him and we'll put a belt on the line. So I was like, fuck, for sure. Then he went over to train at um, TriStar with yeah, GSP okay. and all of that so he came back a lot better but I also knew that I improved a lot more because that was my first that was my second fight since that loss I was like my game's gotten so much better and then we went three rounds but it's just I sort of um I think I might have lost the first round I won the second and then I finished from about one minute into the third but the biggest thing was was I just knew like my um it's what I get with most of my opponents I know my cardio's a lot better than most of the guys I'm fighting, like yeah. besides my first fight and that fight at Febweight, I've never felt like I'm more tired than the guy. That's the one yeah. thing I never want to feel like the other guy has more gas in his tank than me. Which man, I think that's so important. There's guys like you look at guys like Kamara Usman. That yeah. guy looks like he can never get tired. Oh, he's ridiculous. so powerful because I think it's even it mentally fucks your opponent when they can see how fresh you look. Yeah. That's what I remember. In the, so in between the second and third round, I was on the stool and they're like 10 seconds out over. So I get up and I'm, I'm just moving loose. Like I'm fresh. I've got another sort of three rounds of me comfortably. Then I'm, he got up. He looks at me. and I, It sounds weird, but I could, he started moving, but I could tell it was forced. Like he didn't yeah. want to. It was just sort of him like trying to show who was fresh, but he didn't want to actually be moving in that. Then we came out of him a third and he threw a jab. And he has really crisp hand, and this jab was wasn't a bad jab, but I just saw it coming, and I could see how tired he was. And in my head, I'm just like, "Oh, you're done from here." And then um, I did a trip, got him down, choked him out like 30 seconds later, sort of thing. And that's then that ended the beef. That yeah, oh, yeah, that's what I, I actually to end the beef. I put a um post on Instagram called Deja Vu because I choked him out the first time with a rear naked choke, and I did it again. So I'm like, I don't like to post shit, but I'm like, surely if I do this, he can't call me the third right, yeah. time. It just ends and then it. it's like you, you can't do the trilogy when you've been beaten twice. Beaten twice, exactly right. Exactly. As DC right. would say, that's unreal, man. Hey, yeah. I um, you you touched on it a little bit there, and a great segue. I was going to ask. Obviously, one of the 
I guess my also most con- controversial as well as one of the hardest parts about this whole business in itself is that weight, you know, making mm-hmm. weight. And I actually watched, um, I was watching a video, this, I think it was early this morning or last night, um, you know, Coach Kavanaugh from Burger's yeah. Camp over there talking about how a lot of people almost get too invested in the weight cut itself oh. and it feels like making weights a victory. Yeah. How, talk to us about that weight cut. Do you cut much to get to your band well, weight? I do, but I do it pretty smart now because when I blew up and I got to 66, that's what I mean. I lost the fight, but it was like I had to nail in my nutrition. So I ended up doing a lot of research myself and that sort of thing and just speaking to a lot of sort of knowledgeable people in the field and that. So I, I right now I'm probably walking around like 69, 70 kilos. So I fight at, so I have to weigh in at 61.2 for title fights or 61.7 for non-title fights. So people's like, oh, that's a lot of weight. But I only really get down to about 65 to 66, um, seven days out from weigh-ins. And from there, it's just real basic stuff. Like you load up on your water, a few days out, you cut your salt, cut your carbs, drop your fiber. And I've never missed weight. And I've, um, I think I'm always coming under now, actually, since I've been doing it right. Same thing with the... Um, tournament you had to weigh in every day before each fight yeah. so i ended up doing that at featherweight and i did that with pretty much ease as well too so it's just about um it's just about sort of knowing how your body responds to sort of things so i know that the last few the last week i drop a lot of water weight so i can sort of sit that bit higher and i feel very comfortable whereas some yeah. people struggle to drop that last weight my biggest thing is i just have to say no to sweets that's that's the thing that's the thing right just that's the hardest part yeah i reckon that'd be the hardest thing for me like competing in any sport is that nutritional discipline it's it's not it's not fucking easy especially when you know you're trying to feel i guess in most sports you know leading up to an event you're eating as as much as you normally would yeah feeling as possible Mm -hmm. to feel where you're sort of doing the opposite and then you've got that 24 hours or maybe not even to try and come in feeling hydrated and refreshed again so coming into those events have you how how do you usually feel on fight day do you feel good um it's funny um most people sort of hate the weight cut i normally find the weight cuts like the whole sort of eight six to eight weeks my worst weeks are probably two weeks out from a fight because that's your hardest push in your camp sort of thing but it's also when like your calories and everything's the lowest by the yeah. time I get to one week out, I know my weight training comes down. I actually don't mind cutting weight. Like that last week's pretty cruisy. Like I know like the, the goal's there, but it's when you're six, seven weeks out and it's the goal seems so far away, but you still have to stay so strict with everything. But it's just um, accountability comes in a lot with that. I always think like if I eat this and it makes going to have to make me cut more weight, it's less my opponent has to do sort of thing. So I always yeah. have that sort of mindset. So I always just want to, be fresher than them. What are your thoughts on the whole policies themselves? Because obviously there's, there's a lot of controversy around. I know a lot of guys don't like it. There's a lot of talk, especially in the UFC, because I know there's, um, it's one, I think it's one championship that do the hydration test. Hydration test, yeah. Yeah. What are your yeah. thoughts around all of that? Would you like to see it take a certain direction? Um, a lot of people say they do, but I, don't, I personally believe they don't offer a correct solution to it. A lot of people say, um, just do same-day weigh-ins. But the problem with um, same-day weigh-ins is people are still going to cut the same amount of weight. They're just not going to hydrate as much. Which like then is more dangerous, right? It's way more dangerous. So it's you're never going to, in a fighting sport, have pe- two people of the exact same size just to selfie fight each other. I, I personally believe it just won't happen. Yeah. But the way they're currently doing it, at least you do get that time to rehydrate, <laughs> get every sort of as much nutrients that as much fuel as you can but as i was with that tournament i ended up so i had to weigh in at 65.8 every morning then that was around i think seven o'clock weigh-in started then my fights are around 11 12 so i what i did was i'd weigh in carb up hydrate up completely probably get i got around to about 67 68 fight then slowly taper down and drop like a kilo in the sauna every night and that yeah, okay. comfortably but i know people who did a proper mma style weight cut each day so they started 
twice for Friday. Friday before they might have started at 77 kilos, cut down to 70 to fight, wow. got up back up to 75, and then had to cut that number five the next day. That's what, how, and people, how do you even feel fresh, right? I, I know. That's what I, I personally think it's um, ridiculous. Like the current situation isn't the best what they do, but I don't have a better solution, so I can't sort of go out and nitpick the way they do it because yeah. there's always going to be weight cut in any sports where you sort of have to weigh in and there's going to be a size advantage. Everyone's going to sort of try and be as big as possible. But there's definitely that um, trade-off where the weight cut will affect you too much. So it doesn't matter if you've got five kilos on a guy. If you gas out in the first three minutes of a fight because you killed yourself for eight weeks, it's yeah. pretty useless then. Definitely. How tall are you? Um, I'm like 175, but on Tinder, I say like 185. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you say that, actually. I was talking to a mate about that the other day, how every guy adds that extra like couple inches to their height, right? Yeah, yeah I mean, exactly right. Yeah, someone says to me, I'm, I think I'm six foot on the dot. Someone goes, you're six one? Yeah. Yeah, six one. Yeah. Oh, I'm like, I'm like six one if I put Timberlands in that on, so you can count that. <laughs> That's unreal. Because I've seen a photo of you, Joe and Alex, on your Instagram yeah. the other day when we were having a chat. And you, you're quite tall compared to Alex. Yeah, but he's a hobbit. So yeah, he's, he's, he's like bulked up, up but, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's thick. Yeah. So he's to thick talk- with two Cs. Yeah, <laughs> mate. You're actually. It's funny because a few people, a few girls have messaged me actually after I said that you were coming on the show to say your last name. They were quite last name, yeah. Last name. <laughs> so I was like, yeah. well, you know, have you got a missus? No. Nah. Hit him up. There you go. Exactly yeah, you, right. It's marketable. Yeah. Miss thickness. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, um, talk to me about training with Alex. Obviously, that's especially for someone from the Illawarra. It's it's even hard for me to. You know, I, I was at um, I was at Conno Pub with a couple of mates watching when he won that belt, and I know you were there in his corner that day. Yeah. And mate, just even being at Conno Pub, and I think he had some family members that were there, like some cousins or whatever. The atmosphere was fucking unbelievable. Like seeing someone from our area lift a belt that. On the and I guess, stage. man, for for me, the crazy thing to think was a guy like Connor, who is. He, he's known around the world. You say his name around the world, majority of people know who you're talking about. Yep. That same belt in that same division from that same sport and organization was lifted by a guy from our area. And you can't help, you know, being in my position and being extremely proud of that achievement, let alone being the guy that trains alongside him at his home gym and is standing there in his corner that day. What was that experience yeah. like? Um, experience as a whole for the Vegas trip was like, amazing and like you said before it's really good it sort of puts that into perspective that it is possible yeah like you can follow the steps and you can get to the top where you want to get sort of thing but training with alex um it sounds weird but i sort of, i've been training with him well i was training at the gym when i was 13 and then we started sort of training together when i was like 15 16 we did a bit more but i've been one of his like main training partners over here pretty much since i left high school so I've been, I've trained with him, well, seen him training back when he used to fight at 77, 84 kilos and that. But yeah. I think, when you, so three, yeah, so 2017 was when we started training full time. I didn't think he was in the UFC then. So sort of just seeing his rise. And then was, I remember there was one day I was just thinking, I was like, this bloke just fucking knocked out Chad Mendes and I get to train with him the next day. Then I was yeah, like, really. this bloke just beat one of the goats, Aldo, and like I'm training with him a month later. And then the same sort of thing once he won the belt. Like it, it's hard to sort of put into perspective because it's such a sort of casual routine now sort of thing. Yeah. But then you see like him out in the street and people come up to him, photos, autographs and everything. So then yeah. it does like you take a step back from it and you're like, fuck, this is a pretty rare opportunity. Like there's what, six UFC champions, males? 100% man. Train with one of them, it's unreal. To be honest, man, it really excites me for you because I think you've got that pathway now and I think you've also got, you know, to train alongside a guy like that improves your credibility tenfold. You know, they're oh. not, they wouldn't, they wouldn't throw me in there to fucking spar. <laughs> so you, you're doing something right. So it's, yeah. for me, it's, I think it's a massive, massive um, shout out and credit to yourself because to be in that position, I think it, it shows what your future holds. And I'm excited to see how now, 
your path is and how that looks into those top leagues? Because, you know, there's no doubt you've got the talent and the skill set to be there. So have you set yourself a bit of a timeline and a goal? Yeah, so um, I always sort of run things by my head coach, but like I said, I'm only 20, I turned 21 in June. So yeah. I'm not at the, I've got years to reach my sort of physical peak. So Definitely. right now it's just sort of trying to get as much technique, stay as fit, as healthy as possible. Because pretty much uh, one thing that can sort of set you off this path is like a bad injury or something where you can take yeah. years off and it always comes back. But so I'll, my goal is to turn pro by the end of this year, but I was going to have a few more amateur ones, but it might even just be turn pro now. And then I just want to start collecting belts around Australia as a pro, but I want to um, take my time with it because I see so many guys, they jump in too early and they're so eager and then they don't take bad matchups, but they just they fight too much. They don't do the right things because they're yeah. trying to get to the top too quickly. You see so many more people get burnt out that way. Whereas I'm much more comfortable just fighting a national level sort of thing for another three, four, even three, four years and then sort of try and make my international push when I know that my foundation's covered, I've got the strength, I've sort of put everything together and I've got a game that I can sort of, once I'm in the UFC, I know my game will fit there and I can sort of fight there. I don't have to think, oh shit, I'm lacking this, add this in. So instead of just trying to get to the top, I have to worry about just surviving. I want to get there yeah. and now I can sort of make my run sort of thing. You know, that that's good. That's really good for me to hear that because I think, you know, you look at, you know, who, who's the youngest guy in the UFC at the moment? I know the guy is a, is a tall, thin fella, isn't he? He's... Um, oh, Sean O'Malley? Sean O'Malley, yeah. Sugar yep. Sean O'Malley. How old yep. is he? Um, I think he's 22, maybe. Yeah, so you've still got, you've yeah. still got a couple of years, man, before you're yeah. the youngest guy in the UFC. But I look at a lot of people and I think it's really easy to push to be there. But yep. once you're there and you're kicked out, you know, you're not good enough. So hard to get back have those few testing losses. It's, it's hard to, to make a claim to be back in those conversations again. So yep. I, I like your thinking. You'd prefer to be prepared and actually go in there and have a really good slog. And you look at, you know, you look at a guy like Brad Riddell, who's over there at City Kickboxing, yep. who, you know, middle of last year was on that headline card at Wollongong Wars, but had a decorated kickboxing career before that then goes on and is now, you know, now making a good, good go for it in the UFC. So man, patience is important because without it, you become quite vulnerable. So it's good it, to hear it that. It is. Yeah. I, I think a lot of people see John Jones as like the example, but John Jones is like the outlier sort of thing. There can only ever be one youngest mm-hmm. UFC champion and it's him. So yeah, if you, sure, that's your goal to be the youngest, but you have to realize there's a lot less um, success if you chasing an outlier and just sort of sort of trying to stay and follow all the rest of the champions sort of path. Like I think Alex didn't get into who was around 20, oh, 26, 27, I think. Yeah. So it took him a fair while. And most of the champions you see are around that 20, sort of 6 to like 32 age sort of thing, where they're physical prime, they're fit, they're healthy. Yeah. Like how many other 21-year-old champions are of the UFC has there been? Yeah, exactly. And, and that's the thing, man. Like I look at, I look at a guy like John and you know, John's a goat. For me, yep. he's one of, it's, it's either him or GSP, the, the greatest of all time to step into the octagon. But you look at him, times have changed. Strength and conditioning is far superior now. I think the athletes yep. are in the cage. No, no discredit to anyone who, you know, walked into that octagon before. But I think the athletes are getting better. They're getting more well-rounded. There's better training and nutrition around. So I think it'd be naive, like you said, to think that you could step in there now and I guess walk that same path that maybe someone at your age had done 10 years ago. Yeah, especially like when I know like my physicality, sort of my sight is nowhere near what like it needs at the moment to be like the top of a division sort of thing. But that's what you were saying before, how the level shifted. Like, the guys 10 years ago were absolutely great in that. But you get most of the guys these days, the level just keeps evolving with, like you are saying, the science behind training, the technique, and just it's that constant involvement. So you just can't be a good, tough fighter, jump into the deep end and think you're going to sort of make it sort of thing. You have to have that real sort of scientific and smart approach to it and that high fight IQ. 
Would you look at a pathway um, like tough, like the ultimate fighter or something like that? Man, I'd love to. Like I said, I just love fighting. So if I could get into a house and have like two fights and just train all day and fight, I'd be like the dream. But um, I think the contender would probably be the best bet at the moment. That seems to be sort of a pretty popular. You can't sort of get record, yeah, recognised internationally. That sort of seems to be the um, way to get in. Just put a show in through that and you normally get a shot. So Contender's the one that Dana White runs, isn't it? Yeah, the Tuesday night Contender series, yeah. yeah. And how, how how does it look getting into something like that? Is um, that I think you honestly you just have to apply. Yeah, you just reach out. Yeah, like your management or whatever will reach out, say, hey, we got this undefeated prospect from XXX and they want to have a shot and that's sort of how they... It's like a battle of a prospect sort of thing. And then yeah. if you... But only if you win, you don't even get the contract. You just have to win in a dominant fashion or put on a good show in and then you'll get okay. the contract. Which is it? Isn't that how Sugar Sean O'Malley got in? Yeah. Because I think I can yep. remember seeing footage of that fight and he jumped on the cage at the end. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, man. It's, it excites me for you. And, and being so young, like I'm 24 and I feel like I'm young. You know what I mean? To be, <laughs> yeah. to be in your shoes at 20 with, the backing that you have behind you, the coaching, the mentors. Do you have a manager? Um, no. So it's just more so your coach sort of stepping into those shoes? Yeah, so I pretty much just let um, Joe Lopez, my coach, and Alex sort of, they sort of, I would just always get their input and advice on it sort of thing. That's what, even with the management, like I'm in um, no rush and that sort of thing. Like eventually that, I see a lot of people, I say everybody wants to rush everything, but yeah. one day it's all going to be over and I just want to sort of, take my time do the journey and sort of let the steps come as they come instead of trying to just run to the top and miss it and treat treat a marathon like a sprint sort of thing. Yeah. Hey, there's, there's something you just said it there and I can, I can see how intent you are on making this your life's work. And you said it earlier on in, in this episode as well, that you got to a point where you were looking at the sport you were playing and competing in and you wanted something that you felt you could go to the top in. Is it yeah. always just been a dream for you to compete at the highest level and you've just found your passion along the way in mixed martial arts? Yeah, Dev, yeah. I've always had um super competitive nature. So even when I was playing footy, I was always the most competitive guy in the field. It doesn't mean I was the best. I was just always – I'd always give it my 100%. Same with wrestling. I'd always want to be the best. And I've just found um mixed martial arts was like a perfect opportunity where it's the sort of passion, skills and hard work. It's all – intertwined really well together that yeah. sort of i'll just have to keep pursuing keep following and keep putting in that work how how hard do you find it obviously you know because you I, I read that you took your first fight just before i think you were actually water loading in your hsc it's right? hsc yeah oh that was horrible like, I, haven't so done, right. I haven't done my hsc so i can't relate i wasn't as smart but <laughs> i um yeah. I, i'm thinking back to that and i'm thinking you know i guess sometimes in Australia, people have tall poppy syndrome. It's, you know, mm-hmm. some, someone's got a dream to do, you know, to be in the UFC or to be a champ or to do whatever they want. And people love to shoot it down. Tearing down and how yeah. did you find that? You're obviously very mentally strong, but did you experience that? Because, you know, to, I, I put myself in your shoes. Mm-hmm. I, I'm blessed, man. I've, everything I've done, I've had great backing from people. But mm-hmm. this is all quite achievable. You know, I want to have the best podcast on the planet. You know what I mean? So yeah, for me... Oh, I push for that. It's kind of achievable because the mic's in front of me and I can create the Exactly platform. right. But yeah. For you to step into a ring and, and face seriously tough competitors and do something that people watch on a world scale, I can imagine there's plenty of skeptics. Yeah. Um, I think it's not as bad as it used to be, whereas for everybody used to be like, oh, go back, I think five years ago, before we had a Rob Whitaker as champ, everyone's like, oh, we have to go overseas to we want to yeah. train and make it sort of thing. But I've been very lucky that I've always had people sort of supporting me. But the most sort of skeptics I have is people just sort of looking at me like, oh, you're going to sort of try and make that your career sort of thing. But I I love when people say that. I just sort of take it, store it in the bank. And like when I work them nights and I have to get up off like two hours sleep and go spa or something, I was like, fuck these guys. Let me go prove them wrong. Go put in as much work as I can sort of thing. So I don't mind it. I use it as like fuel to the fire sort of thing. I just embrace it all. That's good to hear, man. And hey, I can imagine part of being super competitive and driven is having a twin brother. 
I know it was like, for, for yeah. me, my dad and I are competitive, so we push each other, but I can imagine having someone that oh, the, clone, the clone of you and yeah. competing against each other your whole childhood. Does he still fight or compete? Or? No, nah, he stops. He just plays Fortnite and drinks at the pub now. Okay. So yeah, is, it, it, is it kind of yeah. nice to have like that dominance now where you're like, hey, we might have been eating kids, but... Yeah, because we used to do everything. He probably stopped training when I think he was 14 or 15. Okay. He just sort of got over it sort of thing. But I just sort of, I was lucky. I found my bread and butter. I found what I wanted to stick to. But he loves, he comes, whenever local fights will come support me and sort of thing. But it's yeah. good too because we, we're twins. We're not, we're fraternal, but we still look alike, but we're not actually identical. Okay. So I remember at Wars, um, I think it was Brad Riddell actually, he came up to me and he was like, what the fuck are you doing? I was like, what do you mean? He's like, why are you drinking before the fight? I was like, oh, no, that's my twin. Don't worry about it. He <laughs> walks by, just sculling beers. So pretty much now at any local fight, he'll just go get a beer and sort of just make his presence known wherever my opponent's sort of family and corner is at, just to put yeah. him off a bit sort of thing. Little, little so psych- works out well. Psych- yeah, little psych out. That's unreal, man. Hey, I want to cast back to, to Vegas, you know, winning. Yep. Talk to me about when, when Alex wins that belt for you guys as a team, what's that feeling like? Is it so exhausting afterwards that you just go back to the hotel room or is there a bit of celebration? No, there's plenty of celebration. <laughs> but um, I think it was, it was just um, sort of like a relief and just um, it was more an acknowledgement that I found of like we knew he could beat him knew how hard he worked and everything so it was just like we knew that he deserved to be champ and all he had to do was beat max to prove it and he went out dominated max so it was just a really good acknowledgement for everybody sort of across the globe to just see like such a hard working good bloke and that sort of thing just shows that all you have to do is hard hard work show up put it in be Definitely. smart about everything and then there's sort of no limits sort of things did you get the chance to meet a few of the other guys over there that, that are in the UFC? And... Yeah, I met, a, I met a heaps, actually. Probably the most shocking one was Usman. I met him at the um, UFC Performance Institute. I think it was two or three days out from weigh-ins. He had grey, like, long-sleeve tights on, grey, like, long-sleeve um, rashi on, and he was just a unit. Like, <laughs> double bicep veins popping through and just... Such a nice guy in that. I was just looking at him like, how the fuck do you cut so much weight? Man, he's doing he looks like, like he could compete. Ex- oh, man, he was huge. Him and probably um, Francis were like the two, Ngani were two like the most shocking people. Like I shook Francis's hand and it was like two of these over my <laughs> little skinny hand. I was like, oh, shit. But yeah, I, mean, I met heaps of guys. Yeah, they're, like, they're all cool blokes. Like, I don't know, it's just sort of, People think just because you fight, like, you have to be an arsehole, but 90% of the time, fight, fighters are, like, the nicest, easygoing people going around sort of thing. Well, they've got nothing to prove, right? Exactly you know, they, right. they don't have anything to prove to the public. You, you know, yeah. and I think when you, you know, you said it before, you know, for you, there was no reason to have a beef with that lad that you've beaten twice nah. now. Twice, might I repeat. Yeah, yeah. repeat but, uh, that out, you know, yeah. It's, um, it's funny because... I, I thought the same thing. So when I, I, I always just trained in commercial gyms for, you know, a bit of fun just to keep fit. And when I wanted something, I used to hit a little bit of pads for fun. And I thought, oh, I sort of miss that. I'd like to go give Muay Thai a crack. Yeah. And I'm a, I'm a really confident outgoing guy. And yeah. I was really interested to see walking into that environment, how it changed. Mate, yeah. I'm telling you now, there are less egos in a fire gym <laughs> than there are in a fucking yeah. commercial gym. It's all grounded, just decent human beings because no one's got anything to prove they've all had their ass whooped enough times to know that yeah. someone's always going to be fucking better than them one day and exactly right. there's no there's no egos or bullshit so i 100 percent can see what you're saying where yeah. i think you actually get a lot of really well-grounded decent people yeah so because i do security so obviously there's going to be sort of blues and everything and that involved yeah. but people are like oh when you get blues don't you get like excited and that to so you can fight I was like, man, the last thing I want to do once training's finished and, like, I just want to sleep and train yeah. again. I don't want to waste useless energy just getting into scuff the random drunk people out in front of fever or some shit like that. Yeah, just to waste the energy. Definitely, man. 
definitely. So tell, you know, for you, I guess, as a, as a young guy who's in this game, you've obviously watched fighters growing up. Is there someone for you mm-hmm. that you sort of, I wouldn't say model, because I think you, you're very much yourself. You know, you, you are yeah. fitness, you, you're creating your own identity in the sport. But is there someone that you've always loved watching or someone that was sort of your, I guess, I guess the guy that you uh, looked up to? I'm actually, a lot of people sort of ask like who's, but I think I don't have a sort of favourite fighter in a sense. Like I started watching UFC when I was young. It was like Chuck Liddell and that. And I sort of fell out of it. If I had to say anyone, I'd probably say like, Dominic Cruz, but it's not so much for his um, fighting. It's just more sort of mindset. Like, he's coming back to fight for a world title. He's so analytical. He's so smart. But also, he just shows, like, how to overcome adversity very well. How do you see him fighting against... um, How how do you see that fight going against Ciudo? Um, I think he should get a points decision. Yeah, if his body holds up, I think I think he has all the skill sets, the ability and everything to beat him. But like I was saying, just his injuries and everything, and just the layoff and that. But he stays fit in that. So I'm sort of leaning like sixty or probably seventy thirty to Cruz. Honestly, how unorthodox is he? Hey, oh, like man, the way he's unbelievable. And... Yeah, and just he's such, such a smart a... guy. Mm. He's a legend of the sport. That's why, especially um, he's Joe Rogan podcast. I um I was after he lost to Garbrand. I actually listened to that probably like two or three times. Just a segment on like how he takes a loss in that, and just his philosophy, like how he says um the happiest moment of his like fighting career was when he realized he didn't need a belt to be a champion, sort of thing. Just yeah. like little insights like that. It's like a really good sort of insight to such a high level mindset to have. Hundred percent. Hey, you know what? You know what for me the one thing that I'll say that you've got over Alex and Dominic and all those guys is you've been on my podcast. Cause I'm hey, sort of, exactly. I'm superior to, I like to think I'm <laughs> superior to Joe. So it's, yeah. uh, no, but it's funny, man. Cause I guess you saying that that's the sort of platform that I look up to. And then you're looking yeah. up to those guys who are competing yeah. at that level. So it's cool to see. And I think, <clears throat> excuse me. Okay. I'm so excited for, your career and the path that lie ahead because you're a good, you can say you're a good guy as well. So you deserve to do well. And I'm looking forward to watching. When are you hoping to have your next, is there going to be any local bouts coming up in the near future Um, that people can support? Pretty much once the restrictions are lifted, I'm going to be training in a way that say the restrictions are lifted and they might try and do a flight show four weeks. I want to be primed and pep so I can just jump on. So pretty much the first show they get going, I want to be on it. Definitely. Okay. First, yeah, Sydney, if they want to sort of do a Gold Coast or something like that. Man, I'm happy to fight in fucking Antarctic if I get to fight earlier. <laughs> Go fight, fight a anyway. big-ass fucking penguin or something. Yeah, not a polar bear. I'd get fucked up, but I reckon yeah, I could take a, yeah, I could take a moderate-sized penguin pretty comfortably, I think. Fucking yeah, <laughs> Right, hey, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. I want to make sure that people can, you know, at the end of every episode, I say there's going to be someone who got something out of this There's especially a lot of guys that I know from the gyms and whatnot that will love listening to this. So where can people find you on social or where should they follow you to see what you're doing and and that progression that lies ahead? So my Facebook's just Colby golden boy thickness, Instagram's Colby thickness. It's pretty much all the um, social media I do, but yeah, um, like I said, everyone, even just if you just want to have a chat, ask about training, you want some technique tips or something, stretching, some nutrition advice, like don't be afraid to sort of reach out and ask. Like I'm always more than happy to sort of try and give back as much knowledge as I have to as many people as possible on that. Glad to hear it, man. You're an absolute legend. I appreciate it. Oh, legend, my man. Thank you very much. And if you guys enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, give it a five-star rating, leave a review. I love when I get reviews. It makes makes my day. Um, and I'm really looking forward to the episodes to come in the future. But for today, thank you very much, Colby Golden Boy Thickness. Thank you very much for having me on, man. I appreciate it. Cheers, man.